Hello, and welcome to the Artificial Podcast with your host Nick Myers. Artificial intelligence, voice recognition, machine learning, robotic, actionable analytics. It is Nick's goal to help everyone understand the impact that emerging technologies are having on our lives both personally and within our organizations. Your glimpse into the growing world of emerging technology starts now. Nick Myers. Nick Myers. Nick Myers. Nick Myers. Hey there, Artificial Podcasters. Welcome back to another week and another episode of the Artificial Podcast. Nick Myers here, your guide to this ever-growing and expanding world of emerging technology. Thank you for joining me again this week. And because, of course, you know when I do the intro where I say, welcome back, another week, another blah, blah, blah. Y'all know that I have a guest on the show. And I am excited this week to welcome Ben Covallis, who is the CMO of a really interesting AI company. And of course, we'll get into all that. And I really would, of course, just like to bring Ben on so he can tell you everything he's working on. But Ben and I had the pleasure of connecting via email um, several weeks ago, and we had a chat and he just told me about everything that he's working on at his company, um, combining AI and artwork. And we'll get into all that, but just really neat stuff. But before I bring Ben on the podcast, let me tell you a bit about Ben Covalis. So Ben is the co-founder and CMO of Art AI a startup that develops unique technology for producing art using artificial intelligence. Ben and Art AI are aiming to democratize the original art market by implementing the technology that underlies machine creativity. Ben's experience as a VP managing large international operations that deal with e-commerce and the financial education sector and his fascination with art and technology was what drove him to co-found Art AI. Ben, welcome to the Artificial Podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Yes, thank you so much for taking the time. And, you know, kind of like I mentioned, it's when, when we connected and and you told me that you were working on a technology that combines art and artificial intelligence, I was just immediately curious because, you know, a lot of a lot of the content that we focus so far on the artificial podcast, of course, has been very tech focused, more in like developer tools or you know, maybe more moral and ethical things related to AI and emerging technology, but nothing so far has ever touched on art, specifically the combination of artificial intelligence and art. So I'm really happy to welcome you to the show, and I know we're going to chat about some really interesting things here. Yeah, sure thing. And uh, I guess that we're going to speak about uh, some morals and uh, AI-related things as well here, but uh, it's probably going to be under kind of a, a bit of a different scope. Yes, a hundred percent agreed. But you know, typically every guest I bring on the show, I have I like to kick things off by just chatting a bit about you know what's your background, you know, and what event or maybe series of events helped you to decide to co-found Art AI and really dedicate your life to the pursuit of advance, pursuit of advancing computer generated artwork. All right. So um, my background with art is not huge. Uh, I always liked art. Um, I kind of uh, an enthusiast of uh, sketching myself. I sketch, mm-hmm. and, and I used to do it a lot as a kid, but um, nothing more than that. Uh, I was always a tech savvy, always really into technology, and also I had the pleasure of uh, having a best friend who is really into AI and really into technology and really into art. 
Perfect. Uh, yeah, and and he came up to me um, after uh, after seeing the amazing sale of a portrait called the Portrait of Edmond de Bellamy, and that that happened at October two thousand eighteen. Uh, the story was quite famous among both tech savvy and art enthusiasts because it was sold for four hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Even wow. though, even yeah, even though folks thought it's going to be sold at around seven thousand dollars. Right. And everyone talked about it. It was the first time ever that an AI generated painting was sold and by that became like a phenomena that everyone knew about. Mm-hmm. And we were really enthusiastic when we saw that. So Eyal, the CEO and co-founder of Art AI Gallery, also my best friend, my childhood friend came to me and told me, listen, um, you see this? This was sold for, for over $400,000. I was amazed. And also, I, I could not miss the fact that other than obviously being a portrait of a person, it was very, very blurry. Like the quality wasn't. Yeah. And he told me that he thinks that he can make something better. Not only that he can make something better, that instead of selling that for $400,000, you know, creating one, selling it for $400,000, he could create countless of them and we could sell them for a hundred dollars and that really spoke to me because I was doing e-commerce and I was really enjoying that and I was doing Mm -hmm. that a lot of scale and the thought about taking this amazing product taking this amazing art and selling it to everyone and being able to expose this very very interesting type of technology to as many people as I could instead of just, you know, focus on specific, really high net worth yeah. people, um, and basically doing it with scale um, sounded amazing to me. So I guess that throughout my, uh, throughout my life, and especially the past few years, uh, these were the few events that really made me um, excited about doing that. So Eyal sat down and he started creating this algorithm to create beautiful paintings. And after six months, we had an algorithm. Wow. It is nothing, it is nothing uh, like what we have today, but it was good enough to, to generate them. Right. And, and they were really beautiful. So Eyal was doing his PhD at Cambridge University at, uh, at uh, genomical mathematics and genomical statistics at the time. So we knew quite a lot about programming and algorithms and guns, uh, which was uh, the main thing that we used for the first algorithm. So it was it was capable of, of building something really, really unique. And what he was doing, he was, he was um, focusing a lot on image processing during his PhD. It was mm-hmm. kind of, it was kind of analyzing pictures of, of in, the, in the molecular level of cancer cells and things like that. So he had wow. a very interesting approach to how to build a new algorithm. And after six months, it was interesting enough for people to say, okay, I'm willing to hang one of these on my wall. Um, the things that, that I have around me right now, I don't know if the listeners can see them, but you definitely can, um, are not produced from the first algorithm. It's like version 15, but, uh, but we, had, we had some cool stuff there. And uh, we opened up a company, we opened up a store. Uh, he left his, uh, his, uh, his PhD and I left my, my day job and we started the company. Awesome. Yeah, and and very early we started to receive a lot of comments, a lot of engagements, uh, especially over Facebook when we started promoting this product. And we were very happy to see that, first of all, people 
did understand what we were doing because we had a doubt. We had a doubt people are going to really accept that right. and understand that. And also we we're very happy to see the very emotional and very engaging discussions that it created. Obviously not everyone liked it. Many people had a lot of um, criticism. There'll always be critics, always critics, right? <laughs> yeah, especially, especially when you're doing art. Right. And with art, critics are extra important. And we were delighted to see that many of these critics, even the hardcore critics, they really did want to learn and understand what's going on. And some of them really flipped around and, and started looking at the beautiful things about that. And some of them remained in their kind of the opposition. Uh, and, and that was definitely interesting as well. Cool. That's a really, I, I love your story. And I guess up until our discussion today, I never knew that a work of art from an AI actually sold for $435,000 before. Yeah. So the first one, the first one sold for this amount. Wow. And yeah. That's crazy. Well, I mean, and I guess it worked out too that, you know, you had a really good friend, you know, I, that's, I, I find we're kind of very similar where there's the visionary and the person who, who knows the vision, right? And then you have the computer programmer. Because that's how I am with our CTO too, and it seems like that's kind of the relationship you had with your friend. You're like, I have this vision, and you know we can do so many different things with AI generated art. And he's like, All right, I'll build it. <laughs> yeah, but I think maybe it's a bit different here because it's kind of he came up with the vision and with the capability. Of course, there was a lot of back and forth, a lot of like yeah. of speaking about the ideas and how to actually do it, how to actually make it happen. Uh, yeah. Not just in theory, but uh, uh, it definitely deserves a lot of credit for, you know, basically he saw that and he said, okay, I think I can do that. I think I can, cre I can create it. And the, the concept itself manifested, of course, it didn't happen in a minute, but it, it manifested between us um, until it was very clear to us what each of us is going to do in order to make it happen. But uh, uh, I have to say that Eyal, who is the CEO of the company, definitely... Uh, uh, definitely was the first one who thought about this idea gotcha. and also the one that, that um, actually developed the first algorithm. Gotcha. No, that, that's, that's really neat. I, I, I love people who are looking to use AI for, for interesting ways. Because I think when most people think of artificial intelligence right now, we view a lot of process automation and business-related applications. But to see it being used in a way that that art AI is and and you and your founder are it's 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 really cool and I think you're just you're just scratching the surface of I mean I can't even imagine um you know what a market for this will look like in in five to ten years right as as this becomes more mainstream and of course we'll get to the conversation of NFTs but I think you guys are really scratching the surface of something unique here so maybe you know to kind of break things down a bit for everybody listening or watching right now you know to the extent that you can can you explain or talk a bit about the technology that powers art ai so we know ai but maybe you could dive just a bit further to peel back some of those layers for anybody maybe listening or watching right now who's a bit curious yes i'll be happy to and i'm going to speak about two separate things one of the things that i'm going to speak about are guns which are generative adversarial networks uh, it's the technology that comprises like the core of this algorithm that we were using at first. And, I'm, and then I'm going to use to speak about how we are using and how we used a lot of the engagement that we received from the online gallery, from actual visitors of the gallery to make the images way better. So starting with guns, 
And earlier I said that the first version of the algorithm was not, nothing like what we had today, mm -hmm. but kind of the, it had the same base. And when we're speaking about guns, generative adversarial networks, we're speaking about two different AIs that are working together. Mm -hmm. So for the sake of this explanation, one of them is an AI artist and one of them is the AI critic. And we're starting with the AI critic. The AI critic um, is receiving from us countless um, number of art samples. Um, it could be anything. And specifically, we used art from the past 1500 years. And we made sure, of course, that everything that we allow the critic to view uh, as a human critic uh, is something that, uh, that, that can basically um, be or look like human art for any other human that will look at it, because it is human-made art. Mm -hmm. And by viewing, by inspecting these tens of thousands of different artworks that were at first and hundreds of thousands of artworks later on, uh, kind of get a special style. Critic now understand how art should look like, and it gains the ability to judge whether a piece is was made by a human or not. So it knows it knows how to grade artworks based on how they look like because it, because it has a chance to view so many of them. Yeah. The AI artist, on the other hand, doesn't get a chance to look at any human created art. Doesn't know how art look like. Doesn't know how anything looks like. Main job is to main and only job is to create a new design, send it over to the critic, and try to get the highest grade possible. Because the critic grades paintings right. based on how, if, if, if it thinks that it, they lo it looks like something that a human will make. So in the beginning, it's just a blur of colors. It's a lot of pixels. And obviously, the grade that it gets is very, 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 very small. And here we are um, starting this process of actually improving the AI. So in a process called backpropagating, the critic gives several different inputs, uh, several different outputs to the AI artist, which it translates in order to change the neural network, mm -hmm. change like the weights that comprises the neural network. Um, obviously, there's like a big black box in the middle that we can't really understand what's right. going inside. <laughs> but, but the thing that happened is that uh, several parameters are being used then by the artist to change the weights, change how, it, how, how they respond. Uh, so the next time it creates an artwork, the next time it creates a design, it's going to be a bit more similar to something that a human will make and a bit less big mess of colors and pixels. And after about you know few tens of thousands of times, uh, instead of being a big, a big blur, it's starting to get some artistic elements inside it, some shapes, some um, colors that make more sense, uh, figures, and... As, as we progress, as more cycles uh, are passing, the artwork is becoming more beautiful and more engaging. And accordingly, the grade that the critic gives to the artist becomes higher and higher and higher. Now, that's not supposed to happen in the eyes of the critic because the critic needs to be really, really good in knowing what was made by humans and what was made by AI. Right. So same thing here happens with the critic. If the critic accidentally gives a good grade to the artist, it backpropagates uh, same way, so he, so he will know how to change the neural network. So the next time that he gets like a good painting that was created by an AI, the critic will be better in judging this artwork and still know that it was created by AI. So what we have is we have an artist that is becoming better and better in fooling the critic by making better art. And we have a critic who's becoming better and better in 
understanding when the artist is trying to fool it. So, it's, so, so the standard is always going up until at some point we get to a place where it's even hard to us as humans to identify whether an artwork was created by this AI artist or not. And this is kind of the tip of the iceberg. Obviously, there's a lot of things that we can do with right. the data that we're using and so much work that we can do that it will, it will be very hard for me to get into uh, with the algorithm itself and how it improves itself. Uh, and that will be the first part that I mentioned about guts. The second part is extremely interesting. And for the, for, for the next part, you need a lot of time and you need a lot of traffic. So after we had an operating gallery, art AI gallery, uh, which is the, today the world's largest AI-generated art gallery, uh, with hundreds of thousands of visitors that responded, that engaged with different art pieces in the gallery. So whether if they liked an artwork, or if they purchased an artwork, or just look at an artwork more time uh, than they looked on a different artwork. Uh, we use this information to understand which art is more engaging which art um, is, is taking more of the focus. And we use, we use this information to close a loop together with the algorithm. So the algorithm is going to, with each passing generation, account for that and create even more engaging artworks. So that for itself is kind of a never ending loop where everyone that is looking at an art piece is becoming a part of creating the next generation of art. And super fascinating. So um, tip of the iceberg, that's uh, kind of uh, the secret sauce of creating really, really good art. And it's very similar to how human makes art, just takes a lot of time, takes a lot of, uh, a lot of training, it takes a lot of insights and a lot of failure, failure, failures until you get it really, really right. Yeah, no, thank you for, for diving into that, Ben. And might I say that you just offered one of the best explanations I have heard of a general adversarial AI network. Because again, to anybody kind of outside that AI bubble, you know, AI alone goes over a lot of people's heads, but especially when you start getting into deep learning and neural networks, you know, everybody's like, well, I don't, you know, I don't even want to start diving into that. But the way that you just described how your general adversarial network works was just super well done. And I think, you know, when you look at GAN networks all across the board, you know, I'd imagine they all kind of function. Of course, you know, what you guys built is very unique and, and purposeful to Art AI. But, you know, I remember there was this website that was floating around on the internet for quite some time where I, feel, I, I remember you went to it and it created a random face, like yeah. a random human face yeah. that never existed before. Yeah, and that was using a GAN network. Yep. Yeah. So... No, I, I think that explanation you did is perfect and sums up what GAN networks do. And especially in the context of artwork, it, it makes a ton of sense. And I like how you really showcase that constant improvement part, which is what the AI is supposed to do. Um, but then even better, you can get all that data from everybody buying your artwork to make the AI even better to inform that, which is just so cool. So cool. Um, so yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you diving into, into the technology of that. So maybe one other direction we can head now, now that the stage is kind of set there is, you know, when we first talked, I think I mentioned NFTs, right? And of course, there are, there's so much hype right now over NFTs, spelling out the acronym non-fungible token. It's very much in the blockchain space for those of you that, that aren't familiar who are listening or watching right now. But NFT is a massive amount of hype right now. So with all of you know, the recent hype surrounding NFTs, are you currently or actively considering 
leveraging NFTs for your AI-generated artwork because I just feel like this would be perfect application of NFT for something like this. And I agree. And yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. And that's, uh, that's, I think, the first time where I'm publicly speaking about what we're doing in the field of NFTs. Uh, up until this point, it was kind of something that we were doing behind the scenes because we, were, we, we, we knew what we wanted to do. Uh, but it took us some time to get there. And yeah, and I guess for, for, for a few months now, I'm sitting at dinners and uh, like people expect me to speak about NFTs. Like, come on, you're making art using artificial intelligence. When are you going to speak about NFTs? Um, so yes, uh, we are on the verge of finishing uh, and like we're very, very close by this point up to the point that we already have a, a working interface um, and that, that, uh, that, that, actually, um, that actually works and is going to be uh, available for the public in a few weeks from now that allows you to create your own NFT um, based on any word, sentence, phrase that you choose. You can type it in inside the interface. You click generate, and the AI is generating a completely new design based on what you typed in. And after it finishes, you can mint the design, you can upload it, and you can start trading it. And obviously, after you generate yourself a piece, no one else can use the same word or the same phrase so cool. to generate it again. It's so cool. And such a perfect application for the current state of NFTs right now, right? Because even when all of this started, again, getting into to mainstream hype over the last you know few months, I really was like, all right, well, what is this NFT thing? You know, because we've talked about blockchain on the show and cryptocurrency and stuff like that, but didn't really dive into NFT so much. But of course, seeing that, you know, a, a unique token for a specific image or a meme, of course, and some of these memes were selling for like, what, couple hundred thousand dollars and some of these other things with NFTs. You know, that's why when we met, I'm like, this would be such a perfect application for that. And of course, here we are. You've already worked on something. And actually, not that Ben and I planned this whatsoever. He actually showed me what they've been working on um, with the system that, that you just that Ben just talked about. And we actually created a couple works of art here. So I'm actually going to show show two of these real quick. So the first one here that you see, for those of you watching, we just typed in Red Fox. And this is what the system was able to come up with. And I think it's awesome. You could see, like, the fox coming out of the woman's head. Well, maybe it's behind her head. I guess we don't know. That's the beautiful thing about artwork, right? But then just the shading. And I just, it's so cool. And I told Ben after he sent this to me that this would be something that I would love to get put on a canvas and hang up on my wall. And the moment somebody walks in, they're like, Where'd you get that piece of artwork? And well, let me tell you, it'd be a, a fantastic, a fantastic story. And then, of course, after we did this one, Bent sent me another example that I'll show here quick once I get it up on the screen that I also think does a really good job at showcasing this. Um, so, yeah, uh, Ben, maybe if you want to explain this one a bit more, because I know you you typed in the, the sentence to get it to do this. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to get um, something a bit uh, more abstract out there. Um, of course, the Red Fox, uh, and, and I think that uh, if, if it was recorded, it could have been a great teaser for this uh, episode because everything, everything happened really, really quick. And that, that, that's part of the point that you click it and then it just it comes up. 
Um, for all of you uh, Dio fans, Rainbow in the Dark, one of my favorite songs, and I think it looks quite amazing. So uh, that's, uh, that's a pretty good example of what we can do with that tool. Yeah, I, and for those, of course, who aren't watching right now, all I can say, it is a majestic blend of dark and light pastel-looking colors that all coalesces into, like, a really unique piece of artwork. Um, so for those of you who are not watching but listening head on over to youtube i will have an artificial podcast short posted just for this segment so you can take a look at some of these examples but yeah ben that's that's really cool and i can see again that it's such a perfect application of nfts so essentially you know could somebody could somebody use this as a way to just generate some extra income from the artwork that is generated like um are you guys planning on creating a business model well okay that's maybe a dumb question you know what i'm trying you know what i mean like, yeah, 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 and and they, and um, you'll be surprised how how many people kind of get the exact same response of, of what you got just there, because the, the questions that that comes to mind is okay, so so this can go to so many directions, and what's going what's going to happen next? Um, and well, we definitely want to know, and we have a few plans for sure. Um, but we're also keeping an open mind for what is going to happen. This is because we were surprised so many times at the past few months about things that are going on with NFTs. Um, it's, it's like a roller coaster. So we have um, a general plan, how we see things, how we think it's going to go, but uh, we are definitely um, um, not going to be surprised if it's going to go the other way. So yeah. obviously um, this service... Um, is going to allow people to create some very unique works of art and the scarcity part of it is kind of a big deal. So right. a lot of artists, when they're creating NFTs, they're creating limited editions. So they're not just creating one, they're creating 10 or 100 or 1,000, or sometimes they're doing it with just the one. And here uh, we have no problem of creating a lot of them, but we are not just creating something and uploading it. So it really depends on the word that you're choosing to use because after you use a word one time, that's it. It's out there. Um, it's not going to be, no one else is going to be able to use that again. And when you're creating, so there's a few more features that I'm not going to speak about right now, but they are going to be very clear to anyone using it in a few weeks from now. Uh, and I'm definitely going to send you the link um, yes. and for, for whenever, whenever uh, we open up. Um, and as we talked before the show, uh, including the kind of the early access of what we're speaking about right now, uh, which is uh, created specifically for people who are into NFTs already, knows how, they, how, how it works, know how they mint, uh, and, can, and can be um, a good, high-quality group of people to be kind of the early users of this yeah. application. So this is also one of, one of the reasons I'm very much delighted to speak about this project. Uh, for the first time in the artificial podcast. So um, um, after after you um, mint something, uh, depending on how it looks like, kind of depending on the, the properties that it gets after you after you finish the generation uh, the generation process, and obviously depending on the name, um, if you just use a huge sentence from a book, is not going to be as uh, um, right. say, uh, yeah, appealing as you know using. A single word that I'm, I'm not going to give an example right now because people are just going to use what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I'll give one. You know, people are going to try and generate God. It's going to happen. 
And oh, absolutely. Like, and yeah, that's the thing, like, you know, as, as neat and cool as this is, you know, I guess one of, one of, I guess I would consider it an entertaining risk because I, I guess call me a, which I'm call it an, an agent of, of, of loving to see weird things. People are going to try and generate like the weirdest stuff. Like, you know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I know that because I saw people experimenting with it and I saw the team experimenting with it. And lots of people are trying to generate really, really specific things. And definitely these things are going to have more value. Because when you're trying to, to, to generate something that was already generated, you're not going to be able to. You're just going to get the already generated piece. And you're going to decide right. if you want to try and, and, and buy it for yourself or not. And, and timing is, is kind of a really big deal here. So all of that is going to affect how, um, how the, the art is going to get its value. And obviously, it's going to affect how we're going to keep on and improve the interface and really understand what's more important to the users who are using this interface. So, uh, and this is this is why we're starting with kind of a limited access to this interface. Uh, hopefully that will be very, very short so we could just open it to the public as fast as we can because we know this thing, even though you just, you click a button and it's there, um, it also has a lot of things inside it. And it's very, very artistic, but it also, it, compri- it, it, it has a lot of elements from the AI world. And we want this uh, interface when it's finished so in a way that everyone will be able to connect to it, not only the tech-savvy people yeah. that are already into NFTs, also the people that are looking to get into the NFTs, that are asking questions at dinner parties about NFTs, and that's going to be the first ten- chance to really get inside with something personal that, that they're going to generate for themselves. Right, and I think this has the opportunity to, to expose people who wouldn't otherwise, one, probably have a really solid chance to interact with an ai like this and likewise nfts i think this is kind of a you're killing two birds with one stone approach for you know somebody who knows nothing about the technologies but they go to create a unique piece of artwork that now you know they can attach an nft to they learn about both i think that's really valuable you know in conjunction with everything else you've talked about and yes definitely that's one of the purposes and you know it's always a click of a button and you can, the information is always there. So before moving to the next step, the information is there. If you know it, you don't have to read it. But if you don't, you're going through a very, very interesting story uh, about art and technology. Then at the end of it, you have something that you created for yourself. And, and I think that's amazing. I, I do too. I, you know, I, I, I definitely think after a conversation, I'm going to go and spend more time on, on the art gallery. Cause I know there's probably something there that's going to catch my eye. That's like, you know, I want this just for the sole purpose of when somebody walks into my home, you know, again, it's the, it's the, it's the serendipitous conversation moment. Right. And then I'm like, Oh, where'd you, Oh, I got it from uh, AI art gallery. Oh, really? And then see, I see, I, I love that type of stuff. So, but no, I think this is really, really neat. What, you guys have created here and I, I again i really just think you're scratching the surface of what's possible in an entire you know an entire market with an artwork that hasn't that barely even been explored right so i i think it's really neat and then maybe that leads me to something else i want to chat with you a bit about too and i know we talked about this in our um you know pre-conversation a couple weeks ago and even just before we started recording here but how do you envision both the short and long-term impact of art AI and your technology on the fine art industry? And I know this is something you, you wanted to specifically dive into, but do you think there will be a need for human artists in the future if an AI can generate these incredible, unique works of art? 
Yes, there will be a need for human artists. There is a need for human artists right now, and the, the need is only going to grow bigger and bigger as we go. Um, but yes, AI art is also going to affect the market, and it's going to change it a bit. Um, but uh, it's very important to remember the amount of effort that you need to put in and the amount of human dedication and kind of um, um, human time that it takes in order to make an AI create something that is beautiful. So um, let's start by the fact that AI can be a bit scary and it can especially be a bit scary if you don't know how it works right. and you don't know what happens before that. So you come, you click a button and suddenly an AI generates an art piece. Just a second ago, we were speaking about self-driving cars that were not really good at self-driving themselves. And now this happens, art is supposed to be the final frontier. What is going on? Let's start by the fact that it took a lot of hours and it took a lot of processing power and it took a lot of failing attempts in order right. to get there. Uh, the failing attempts were just really, really quick because it's AI. And let's speak about the fact that everything about this AI and its base is built on human creativity. Mm -hmm. And without this human creativity, nothing happens. So for the first part, when I was speaking about guns, it's all inspiration taken from human creations. And the second part, when I'm speaking about getting the algorithm better based on what visitors in the gallery are experiencing, that's also, it's in a way involving more humans than you know just a single artist that is painting something for its own just one human versus so many humans that are taking an active part in that. And of course, when you look at AI art, well, it is art. It is a genre of art, but it's just a genre of art. It's not a replacement of right. what we know as art. And it kind of reminds you what it means to have human-created art. It reminds you that because we look at art and we just we see the art, but right. we easily forget that someone was there at the other end, worked a lot of time, put a lot of efforts, a lot of tears, uh, a lot of sweat, sometimes sometimes tears, sweat and blood in order to make this artwork happen. And mm -hmm. then we have, when you have this, you know, this thing, AI generated art, you remember that human art is something that is a bit different, is something that was created by a person and you need to remember that and you need to give it the proper value that it deserves. So um, in a way, um, like it's very easy for uh, you know for for gamers to be very nostalgic about old games that they used right. to play. You know, you always want to to go back to that, and it doesn't matter how much things are improving, and it doesn't matter um, how good the graphics get. Um, from time to time, you still think about this old game that you grew on. Hundred percent. And you're going to feel so good when you do that. So that's still out there. And people are not going to forget about human-created art. They're going to remember it very, very well. Other than that, we have this huge growing market, huge growing industry of digital artists. And they are all over the place. The reason that they are all, all over the place, it's simply because it's possible. Now people can create beautiful art um, using digital tools. And AI-generated art, using AI to create art, not just, you know, Instagram filters to change a bit what you already created, but to use a tool in order to create something new and to combine it with your own artistic view, with your own skills, it's now something that many digital artists can incorporate in the, in the way that they're making art. And in this way, they're creating even more complex art. Obviously, if someone knows how to use this tool better than others, if someone is a pioneer and starts using this tool before others are starting to use, 
this person is going to gain an advantage and this right. person is going to have a better shot in making it in the art industry. And that's really hard. That's really difficult. Mm-hmm. And we're very happy to take part and build tools, AI tools that will allow digital artists to become more prominent and to become more popular. And that's an important thing. And yes, it affects the industry, it affects the market. But um, the way we see it, um, other than, you know, the general kind of a scary vibe you can get from an AI if you don't know how it works, where we see it, it just brings a new set of tools that people can use to create very, very interesting stuff. I, I really like both of those points you just made, both on, I'll, I'll break down what, what I'm thinking, of course, as you, you just went through that. The first one is you are 100% spot on with the nostalgia component, right? Um, because truthfully, you're right. You look at the video game industry, I think is a perfect example, like you said, where we have graphics cards that can run video games in native 4K with real lifelike lighting and shadow and CGI, but then at the same time, you know, there's millions of people out there, myself included, who have their old PlayStation 2 or PlayStation 1 sitting in their living room entertainment center and often fire that up just to play an old game because it feels it feels good to do that. It feels nostalgic. It, it, it makes you feel comfortable. So I really like that that's the example you brought up for artwork because I do agree. I think that even though you know technology is more than, not even more than likely will take a larger role in, in artistic creativity in the art industry, there is always going to be a want and a desire for human-created artwork. And to the and you made another point where it is human creativity that is even powering the technology to be able to create this art to begin with, right? So I really like those points you made. Um, and you, okay, now, see, I got so into that one. Now I can't remember you. The last thing you were talking about was, oh, uh, the ability to help support artists and, and digital artists. Yes, I love that too, because, you know, it's just more opportunity to to, to support people as they get into new forms of art, right? And, and I didn't even know, you know, before meeting you, there was uh, a niche of art for digital artists and just creating digital works of art versus, uh, you know, something more conventional. So, you know, you're right. AI, and specifically the system you created, is just another tool that can help digital artists be better and more creative at what they're doing, which I think is fantastic. So, yeah, there, there was a lot going on there, Ben. I loved all of it, and that's what I took away from it. So hopefully to, to anyone listening or watching right now, you, you kind of thought of the same. So with that being said, and, and this incredible technology that um, you know, ArtAI has been able to build, you know, what has been one of your big, biggest successes and one of your biggest hurdles trying to build an AI company in such a niche space? So, we, so one of the things that we assumed is going to be difficult is to getting the concept, to getting like actually what we do out there in a, in a coherent way. And I think that in a way, both um, the most challenging part of the business and the biggest success that we had was um, making it, was actually explaining it and making people mm-hmm. understand how to approach it. And, you know, I'm kind of completely neglecting, you know, the huge success of creating an algorithm that's creating right. such fascinating images. You know, I'm speaking... Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm very much connected to technology, but I'm speaking from the CMO point of view, and I'm seeing the people that are doing the algorithms in the team. They're extremely talented, and they're really they're having a blast. They're really enjoying what they do. 
and obviously they put in a lot of hours and uh, you can see that they're very very tired and yeah. sometimes they're going crazy because there's a problem it's very hard to understand why it's happening like an art weird artifact that's coming up and everything is inside you know this black box that it's very hard to interpret um but uh, it looks like they're having huge fun because they they're super professional they know what they do and they're already very much um well oriented in this huge map of ai art uh, but when you're speaking with with the people when you're speaking with the the, the potential customers you're trying trying to sell out to sometimes it's not very clear so yeah. i'll give you an example when we started and um, and at art ai gallery you can purchase an ai generated artwork for a very affordable price and you get exclusivity for it you get it with a certificate of authenticity and no one else will be able to have this piece of art ever again um but it was not clear for people how is it even possible that i can buy this artwork and no one else will be able to buy it but i can choose a different size i can choose the size of the artwork how is that even possible right if you're familiar with with how uh with how it works usually and you know the, the ability to, to kind of print the image only after the order so it makes absolute sense but for most people when they're going online and they're buying art and if this art is one of a kind it means that they're buying it from a gallery that already have created print of art people can can buy and that's it no one else can buy them and that's still an online gallery but it's doing something different it's counterintuitive so that was probably the most difficult thing to do speaking with a lot of customers to understand where the hardships are where we're kind of missing the point and, con and correcting the language correcting the terminology correcting the way that the website is built correcting the way we're presenting our product yeah. on our ads and um, until we're getting it right and when 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 we do when we finally do get it get it right the feeling is amazing so it happens it it, it, it took quite a lot of months until it happened but when it did the discussions around it and suddenly people focusing more about the art itself and less about the confusing part yeah uh, a huge joy because you know that uh, one of the things that you were that you felt from the most is finally going well and now you can just start and kind of watch the show watch how people react to it and how people enjoy it and really focus on the main point which is obviously the huge argument whether air generated art is a good thing or a bad thing but right. uh, of course i'm kidding but uh, that that was uh, definitely something that was really really fun to go through no thank you for sharing that and I, I feel going through that was i mean it had to be fundamental for of course where you're at now and of course what you're working on with um the nft component that you just talked about you know, uh, a, a bit ago here. So no, I, I think those are really solid examples of successes and hurdles for, you know, such a, a niche thing you guys are working on in, in artificial intelligence right now. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it's so cool to see that, that you guys have kind of crossed that hurdle threshold from some of the things you described. And now it's just kind of sitting back and watching people's reaction. And of course, having that conversation of, you know, what is this, what is this going to do long term for, for the art industry? But uh, Ben, yeah, this this discussion has been has been so cool in getting to learn about everything you guys are working on. I thought we'd maybe end on a <laughs> we'd we'd end on a bit of a uh, I, I like to sometimes ask random random off the wall questions at the end of the show just to kind of envision what things could look like in the future. So question I have for you as we kind of wrap this up here. So imagine we're in 2030 
you know, nine years from now and we're in a, or, you know, you, me, whoever, we're sitting in one of the, the world's most gaudiest art auctions, you know, how, what percentage of art in that auction do you think will be computer generated versus, versus human produced or hand drawn or hand painted or whatever? That's, that's a hard question. That, that's a very good one. <laughs> um, I can, I can choose this question and say that I'm going to think it's going to be in between five to 20%. Um, but, uh, w- what I'm going to say is that I'm, go- I'm, I'm pretty confident that I'm going, that we're going to see it going over 5%. And, yeah. and that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Um, going over 5% um, for something that is basic, basically didn't exist a few years back. And for that to happen, and we're speaking about huge options right now, I'm taking this question really, really seriously. Because yeah. I, thought, I thought about it a lot. And speaking about huge auctions, huge and respected auctions. And um, I do believe that 10 years from now, we will, be, we will already be after um, the challenging definitely fun but very challenging part of kind of presenting a generated art to the world and getting the world to accept it um, and not fear from it same way as you have no problem using um, AI today to open your phone using your right. face um, some people do some people do of course but um, most people by this point it's just it's a part of them of their life it wasn't a few years back and it's hard right. to remember how to remember that it wasn't so I think that 10 years from now, we're going to be there. We're going to see over 5% of the art involved in huge and very respected auctions going to be completely AI generated. And I think that is going to be understood and appreciated by the people that take part in it. I think I would have to agree with you on that. I think, you know, as we see the rapid advancements of, of AI and just other emerging technologies, you know, everything is changing so quickly. There's no choice but to really take a step back and appreciate it and, and figure out how it's going to to integrate into into our lives in ways that we didn't before. I think you're you're spot on. Of course, talking about the smartphone, right? I mean, to me, it's still crazy to I can't believe it's like what only been 13, 14 years at this point since the iPhone changed everything. Like, yeah. and that's not a really long period of time when you think no. about it. No, and I mean, you know, if the iPhone hadn't happened would the internet be the way it is right now? You know, I mean, you got to think about all that. And and truthfully, I, I think especially when it comes to art and the technology you guys are working with, it's going to follow a similar scenario. Once people really see it more and understand it and appreciate it, I very much can see AI-generated artwork going for, you know, a lot of money in the future. I see that 100%. Well, Ben, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with me. And, um, of course, anybody listening or watching, I will include links to AI Art Gallery and, and anything else Ben wants to share. Uh, ben, if anybody wanted to reach out to you or get in touch with you, what are some of the best ways for them to do so? Yeah, so you can always um, um, address me directly at ben at Um but the best way to do that will go to uh, www.artaigallery.com or www.artifly.com and you can first of all inspect some beautiful AI generated art or generate something yourself and you can definitely find a way to contact us in the contact page and uh, you can inquire about anything starting from wh- how we do what we do at, uh, at AI Gallery or if you want to hear more about the upcoming NFT project. Perfect. Yes. And I'll make sure to include 
um, all of those links and, and contact info that you just shared within the episode notes as well. So, of course, before we, we wrap up today's show, just all of the reminders that I love to give. Uh, at the end of every Artificial Podcast episode, starting with thanking, of course, every single one of you who listen and watch the show week in and week out. You have no idea how much it is appreciated. You know, I think, you know, it's safe to say that the reason I like finding interesting people like Ben, and I'm sure, you know, Ben hearing about the show in some way, wanting to be on and share everything that he's working on, it's a testament to the support that we have. So thank you. And of course, if you're somebody listening to the Artificial Podcast, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, really anywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can subscribe. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to smash that subscribe button and click on the bell to stay up to date when we post new episodes, but feel free to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you really love what you hear and want to support the show, feel free to look us up on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash the artificial podcast and see some of the different tiers that we offer that you can support the show. And likewise, if you want to be more involved, you can join our Discord community. Just head on over to our website and click the link. Of course, social media. So following the Artificial Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, at the Artificial P. And if you want to listen to all of our episodes past to present, just visit us on the web at theartificialpodcast.com. Well, Ben, thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with me. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I mean, everything you're working on is just fantastic. So I really appreciate being on the show. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being in, and thank you so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. Take care. Artificial intelligence, voice recognition, machine learning, robotics. You've been listening to the Artificial Podcast with your host, Nick Myers. Nick Myers. To stay up to date with all of our latest episodes, you can subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Or you can visit us on the web at www.theartificialpodcast.com. Until next time, 